This podcast is brought to you by FormKeep. Form endpoints for designers and developers. No iframes, JavaScript embeds, or CSS overrides. Try out our sandbox mode before you buy at formkeep.com. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. My name is Ben Orenstein. I'm here today with my colleague, coworker, and champion, Chris Toomey. And the other giant robot. The other giant, yeah. Yeah. Hi, Ben. Hi. What are we doing, Ben? Uh, so we're doing a new thing. A new thing. A new thing. This is a thing that we haven't done before. Okay. We're so, doing a couple new things, really. Yeah, we're doing a few new things. So you're on Giant Robots right now. I am. Um, I'm hosting. You're here. Uh, and this this is episode something, 176 or somewhere along there. Yep. So we've done, I mean, a lot of Giant Robots, nearly 200. It's been uh, three years and change. A little bit more even. And I think this is the first time where we're going to actually do a pretty substantial change to the format. All right. So uh, here's the rough plan. And we're going to start it as an experiment and see what happens and then uh, alter from there. But so uh, a change happened recently where you are now working on Upcase. Mm-hmm. You've taken over uh, the Upcase project. Yeah. So me being on Upcase is not a change, but you right, not correct. being as much on Upcase is a change. Yep. So you're in charge of Upcase um, and I'm not on Upcase. I'm working on FormKeep, which is another ThoughtBot product. Uh, and that is a difference. And we, uh, you and I were talking about, hey, we should do like a one-on-one every week and we should kind of share what we're working on. And uh, if, we're, if we have some successes, we should share those and mm-hmm. help each other out. Kind of like a mastermind sort of thing. Yep. And uh, I had the idea of like, why don't we just record that? And if we're going to record it, maybe it should be a podcast. And if it's going to be a podcast, maybe we should already have that. Podcast. Maybe we already have a podcast. Yeah. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what people think. Uh, if this has been an interview format for a long time, and I think over the next couple episodes, it's going to be mostly not interviews. It's going to be more you and me talking about what we're doing. Uh, but I th- I'm I'm hoping it'll be interesting. I- I've had a lot of uh, solo entrepreneur, entrepreneur programmer types on right. the podcast over the you know the months and years, and so I if you're interested in talk, hearing people like that, then this is probably going to be up your alley as well because mm-hmm. we're going to be open and honest and talk about what we're working on and what's not working. And yep, if you're someone that might want to launch or run a software product, then this will probably be relevant to you. Yeah. I think we'll definitely end up talking about some code related and architecture and things like that. Definitely, but I'd say the majority of it will end up being in the marketing business product end of the spectrum, which I think Giant Robots has been doing that for a while, and Bike Shed is more kind of the the technical podcast that we have. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm excited to talk about this stuff, and I think recording it's probably a good idea. So here we are. Yeah, totally. And if if you're into just the tech stuff and you don't want any of this, then Bike Shed actually is a really good choice for you. It's very good. Bike Shed is is great. Yeah. Kudos to Sean and Derek and all the others involved. Indeed. Um, But so why don't we start by kind of doing like mastermind style, where it's like, what did we... Let's talk about our last week. Sure. I guess maybe retrospective slash mastermindy thing. Uh, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. All right. Well, do you want to kick it off? Sure. Yeah. So uh, for people who might not know, FormKeep is um, a form endpoint service for designers and developers. Basically, whenever we wanted to put a form on something and we didn't want to build our own back end, uh, we would use something like Wufoo, uh, but that was a pain. We didn't like embedding iframes. We don't like styling them. Uh, and we wanted something where we could keep our own markup in CSS and then just fire those submissions off to something else and then have those submissions go to Trello or Slack or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that didn't really exist or we didn't find anything that seemed to work for us, so we built FormKeep. And uh, as a product has been around for, uh, I believe it was October October of 2014? 
think it started at uh, one of the Christmas Ralph Apaloozas, didn't it? Yeah, maybe last year. So two years. It's, a, it's around two years old. Now. Yeah, yeah. But it's 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 been an investment time project. Yeah. So it started as a you know hey we're doing a fun hack day kind of thing, and then it's been worked on kind of on Fridays. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, now we're devoting more time to it. I'm on it full time as of a couple of weeks ago. So. It's been interesting because I'm coming onto a project that exists. So revenue uh, when I joined was about uh, forty six hundred somewhere around there. Um, how many customers? About three hundred customers, three fifty somewhere in there. Um, and so it's interesting to come into a product that I didn't start. Uh, so I was there from the beginning with Upcase, and so mm-hmm. I knew the people who were signing up for it. And I had a lot of back knowledge. You kind uh, of directed the creation of Upcase from what used to be a bunch of workshops and things like that, and then it turned into this online subscription thing. Whereas Formkeep, yeah, you're coming into it much later in the uh, in the lifespan of that product. Yep, totally. So one of the first things I I did was to uh, send out a survey to people. Uh, I try my best to make it not boring and annoying. By the way, Typeform is pretty amazing. It's like it's kind of like a Wufu. It's like a WYSIWYG type form building service, um, and has like a lot of pre-built survey type things. Mm-hmm. And they have like a product market fit survey that I sent out. Right. Uh, that was great. And like it's like you can navigate the whole survey with keyboard shortcuts, which mm-hmm. I was super into. But anyway, uh, so I sent that out and got about eighteen responses somewhere around there, uh, and read through it and. Uh, the gist is actually people are pretty happy with the product. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a handful of feature requests, but they were all pretty small things. Most people said they were uh, fairly satisfied with it. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing I got was um, the most consistent theme I got was actually around pricing. Uh, so the pricing on form people right now is per form. So every time you want to add a new form, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, guess what? That's another twenty five. So currently twenty five dollars a month for commercial forms. So it's like, oh, like we have a contact form that's twenty five bucks a month. And so on the form keep side, that uh, manifests as an endpoint. Exactly. Yeah. We call them forms, but they're not really forms. It's right. really endpoints. Because like you could have like four different forms all pointing to the same endpoint, right. and we count that as one. But yep. we call it a form. Mm-hmm. This is actually one thing I sort of struggle with. Is like, what what is? Do people know what an endpoint is? Mm-hmm. Is that like an accepted term? Like if I say endpoint to hundred developers, they know. When I say form, I think in the developer world, I would I would think yes. And our the audience for Formkeep, I think, is largely developers. The idea is, if you don't want to do the thing where it all just works out of the box, and you want to build your own form, you're you're talking to a more developer exactly uh, like audience. So I would think endpoint is a known term, but maybe not. Yeah, sure. So that, that that's actually one of the things they're kind of like I'm watching to see what people call it. Mm-hmm. Like one of the questions on the qu- on the survey was like, well, how would you describe Formkeep? Yeah, and so it was cool to see people actually they do actually use the word like endpoint or backend or things mm-hmm. like that. So that was handy. But so yeah, the, the overall consensus was like pricing is kind of out of whack. Mm-hmm. Like I'd like to I have ten forms. I have dozens. Like people we get people contacting us saying like I have fifty forms. Is it really twenty five dollars per form? Mm-hmm. It's like that's just never going to be an expense I'm going to pay. So. My initial short-term plan is to get us on tiered pricing, mm-hmm. um, some number of forms for some number of dollars, and then like four or five tiers, so you can pay less per form as you have more forms. Do you have any thoughts on rather than being form-based, be submission-based? Like how many, you know, you have one form but ten thousand people use it a month versus I have ten forms but one person uses each of those a month. Yeah, I I have thought about it. I don't actually love submissions as an indicator of importance. So like it's it's hard to. Yeah. So what you'd love to do is have your pricing be perfectly like uh, discriminatory or like or like in a, in a good way. So like the people <laughs> that can afford ten dollars a month for people who it's worth ten dollars a month they pay exactly ten. Right. For people for whom it's worth a hundred dollars a month they pay exactly a hundred. Mm-hmm. Like things like that. Submissions I think is actually not a great way of testing that. For mm. instance, the contact us form on thoughtbot.com. I don't know how many good submissions it gets, but it's probably in the tens as opposed to hundreds per month, right? Right. But each of those submissions might be a half million dollar or a million dollar project. Sure. 
So you can't really say that and the number of submissions is important. We also had someone like a customer sign up recently that was like a get on the waiting list to know when we launch our Android app. Mm -hmm. And they got 6,000 email addresses. Each of those email addresses is probably not worth that much. So it's kind of hard right. to just use submissions as a... Yeah, I think so. I think submissions is probably troublesome, but something I've seen on that end is associating other features with the sort of so like uh, we have something on Upcase where it's do you need an address on your receipt, and that speaks to corporate billing and kind of the payable and all of that sort of stuff, mm -hmm. and that's a hint at the direction that you're going. And similarly, if you had things related to like multiple users being able to interact with it, or things that hinted at this is a larger organization doing yep. things. Yep. Similarly, integrations is this piping out to Slack and doing things like that, versus I, this is just on my dumb site and I want to grab a couple things like make that bare bones cheap yep. and then build from there but yeah hard to find the exact heuristics that map well to how big your users are how fancy your users are totally one so i, I am looking for a feature to sort of pull people up to a different a, new, mm -hmm. a higher plan level and i think the one that i'm going to try initially is after someone submits your form uh you can specify a redirect url like where do you go after you post to our form? Right. We have a default like form keep slash thanks page, which mm -hmm. is like thanks for submitting. Click here to go back to the site where you came from. Right. But it has our branding on it, and it doesn't look like your site. Yep. Um. So I think I'm going to put that in the second lowest tier as opposed to the lowest tier. So if you are if you don't care about the branding, I think I think, I think that's one of those indicators of like, are you a business? Is this yeah. important for you? Do you care about the people who submit this form? Yep. My personal side, I would be definitely fine with that landing on a form keep page, mm -hmm. but anything related to a client or ThoughtBot or anything like that, I would definitely want to control that whole experience. So that I think that's a good mechanism for that. Mm -hmm. And then similarly, we have um, auto response emails. So if you want that, if you want everyone who submits the form, assuming they provide an email address, if you want them to get an email like "Thanks, we got your form. Right. Here's what you gave us or whatever." Yep. That also has our branding, but not on the commercial form. So okay. like, we can. I think that's a similar. Basically, removing the branding is kind of the the, generic, the high level thing. Right. I like those ideas. Do you, have you thought any about uh, like very low price? Uh, I'm thinking particularly in like the GitHub model where open source is free. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, every one of us when we go into a client project is like, oh yeah, we have to have GitHub because that's obviously the thing. Yep. Especially so like again, imagining my personal site. I don't know, I'm going to have 10 submissions or something a year, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, but that exposes me to form keep. And now when I'm in a corporate situation, and when I'm working for a client, I might recommend that. And then you're bumping into that corporate pricing. Yeah, I'm. so this is something I, I think we just have to do a lot of experimentation on. Yeah. And I keep going back and forth on it. Like, what is our base price? Mm -hmm. Like, what's what's the lowest thing? Is it one form for, you know, very cheap per month? Is it like right. $7? Is it $9? Or is it, you know, you like three forms for $29? Or like, mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out what the, the basic tier is. And I don't have an answer for that yet. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to play around with it and yeah. kind of see what makes sense. Um, but I think that idea of like that sort of GitHub sort of freemium type model mm -hmm. uh, might be a good fit for this. I could see that being a down the road thing, but it definitely, it it makes sense in that expose it to the people who might use it later mm -hmm. uh, sort of idea. Get get the word about FormKeep out there uh, and get people using it and enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And then it's essentially a no brainer for them to use it in the future, knowing that I already know how to integrate this. I know how it works. I can connect it to things. I've got all of that locked down. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty easy sell to management. It's like, yeah, you want this new fancy thing? Sure. I can get you that in an afternoon. Right. But we don't want the branding. So we're going to go with this plan. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm torn between that being a good like overall marketing strategy mm -hmm. uh, and all also, people tend to sign up for the cheapest thing that yep. you offer them. Yep. You know, if it's like there's four plans and I just want to try it, I'll try. I'll, I'll get whatever the cheapest one is. Yeah. So if that cheap one's really cheap, then like you're potentially missing out on people that would have signed up for a more expensive cheap right. plan, I think. 
Um, but so I was talking to Brendan uh, over at uh, Brendan Schwartz over at Wistia, okay. uh, who uh, I'm friendly with. And he was saying, tr- ex- experiment with your pricing. He's like, we change that stuff all the time. And so I want to try to get away from the idea of like, let's find the perfect pricing and then we'll just yep. focus on other things and, and tweak it more. Also, uh, Patrick from Price Intelligently, whose company is based around pricing for SaaS businesses. He brought up this point at a talk, which is like the average SaaS company spends longer working on a blog post than on their pricing. Hmm. It's like they will spend, you know, less than six hours on pricing and then leave it at that forever. Right. And then, you know, go off and work on other things when in fact, uh, pricing is such a huge lever that you can pull. Yeah. So I intend to try to pull it a couple different ways. (laughs) Let's see what happens. A multi-dimensional matrix of A-B testing variance in the pricing. Yep. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. I'm very interested to hear how that goes. Yeah, me too. Uh, Unfortunately, it's blocked. Um, So the very (laughs) first thing, so I'm I'm doing a bunch of things on the marketing side um, and and small changes to the app, but I'm also making a large change, which, man, I don't know. I I hope it's the right idea. So FormKeep is an Ember app uh, right now, which... It doesn't really make sense for FormKeep. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at what the inter- actual FormKeep interface is, so first of all, a lot of people don't use the interface because we will happily forward on your form data to right. a million different places. We're almost like an API for a lot of people. Kind of like Segment. Yeah. It's like you don't log into Segment. Mm-hmm. It's like you, except you know, every once in a while to, to tweak something. Yep. Uh, you mostly just want it to work and, and not care about it. So that that's one thing. And the other thing is like the admin interface is very CRUD-like, as you'd imagine. Yeah. There are forms, and the forms have submissions, and you can scroll through them, mm-hmm. and you can set up integrations and pay us and, and a couple of simple things like that. So it's not a complicated UI that I feel like benefits from a complicated JavaScript-heavy mm-hmm. MVC client-side framework. On top of that, it has some real costs. So there's that complexity cost, which you pay on every feature. Yep. Um, and then there's also uh, the bench cost. So I'm trying to be aggressive about pulling in ThoughtBotters who are mm-hmm. not working on other projects to work on FormKeep. But uh, only a certain number of them know Ember, uh, and we have—I've seen it happen actually a few times uh, explicitly where people would try to work on the project, can't get the tests working, having these weird failures on the Ember side, and just give up and work on something else. Right. Uh, so it's there are definite real costs, not imagined costs, currently with it. Right. So one of the first things I'm doing uh, that is hopefully not a huge mistake is trying to rip Ember out of the project uh, and go back to vanilla Rails app land uh, and move on from there. Do you have people actively working on that right now, or yes. is it okay. literally right now? <laughs> yeah. So I've I've been like I said, it's, I've I've been trying to aggressively bring people in. Mm-hmm. So fortunately, I've been able to find someone to work on it as I'm doing other productive things. Right. Uh, if it were if I weren't able to do that, I don't think I would have done it early on. But since I have been able to kind of like parallelize that effort, I think it's okay. Yeah. This is kind of like the classic like don't rewrite your project thing, where yeah. I'm like kind of like staring <laughs> into that pit of like you're not supposed to rewrite things. Like this is there's definite it can be scary. How I mean, I, I you can likely get to feature parity relatively quickly though, because a lot of it. I mean, it, it's an Ember app with a Rails backend currently, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the Rails backend stays a Rails backend, and now it's just a Rails front end. And a lot of the interesting stuff, I assume, exists in that Rails backend. Yes, correct. So this isn't a full whiz bang. We're going to Haskell type rewrite. This is uh, what you recommend regularly on Upcase. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm glad you found something. Still stand to by that. Yeah, we'll get there someday. Uh, but I think I think it makes sense, especially talking about those costs and uh, the nature of the products that you and I work on. Is we're we're constantly trying to pull in those little bits of extra help when they're available. Mm-hmm. And any limitation in in who you can work with on that does seem like a significant cost. So with all of those added together, mm-hmm. I think I'm cautiously optimistic okay. on uh, a rewrite being a good idea. But 
it's a thing. Definitely. It's definitely a thing. I ran it by a lot of people because yep. it worries me. Yeah. Uh, but the consensus seemed pretty consistent, except for those people that really like Ember. And yep. even and even then, the people that really like Ember were kind of like, okay, I can, I can see why this yeah. might be a good idea. And I mean, I think historically it's in Ember because the people writing it during a kind of free time experiment wanted to try out Ember. Uh, and there's not a ton that really, there's not a great amount of client-side interaction. It is really just a, a cruddy app. It's mostly that API. It's mostly that kind of hub that takes in the inputs and sends out some stuff elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I support it. Good luck, Ben. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I think it'll go well. Yeah, so that's sort of step zero. And my goal is to work on other stuff while that's happening. Yeah, step zero implies linear. You actually get to parallelize this. So that's you're true. doing the marketing things and thinking about pricing and all of that doing the research with people so you can keep a lot of things moving and i don't think this rewrite will halt everything else um, but it is a blocker on some of the things so you do want to get through it sooner than later yeah so let's talk about some of the stuff i am doing uh one thing i did uh which probably won't shock you is uh so we had up until a little while ago we had two plans so one was if you have a person if this form is for personal this is an attempt to sort of segregate our users Mm -hmm. if you are using this form for personal reasons it's seven dollars a month if you're using it for commercial reasons it's 25 dollars a month and that's an honor system purely honor system and like the the features are almost identical you actually actually we remove the branding on our emails from the commercial thing and we don't on the personal thing personal plan Mm -hmm. we don't talk about that anywhere on the site that's a secret right okay (laughs) so if you look at the feature grid between the two it's like this thing is exactly this uh, according to the interface this Mm -hmm. thing is exactly the same as this thing except you have to promise that it's personal versus commercial right which doesn't work it turns out uh i did it i spun through our some of our users and there are lots of corporate users who are using the forums clearly to make money and they're paying seven dollars a month Mm -hmm. So long term, the plan is tiered pricing, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but for now, I just deleted the $7 plan hmm. and just pulled it out. So existing users are still on that, but you're not picking up new users onto that personal plan. Exactly. You can't create a new form on the personal plan. Right. But everyone is grandfathered. I know by just virtue of the fact that I'm not going to go in and be like, hey. Um, They're lucky that you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I did. It, so I, actually, I don't think you would, but still. I, I did try it with one person just to see what would happen because I watched him sign up, basically. It mm-hmm. was like, okay, that's a commercial form. You paid $7. And just like reached out like, hey, like I noticed you did this. Maybe right. it was a mistake. Just curious, like what's going on? Can I, yeah. I think I'm a, maybe should I switch it to this thing? And he was like, but what are the di- what's the feature difference? <laughs> and I was like, well, it's not so much about the features. It's more like just <laughs> we want more of your money. And he was like, uh, okay, I guess. And so I was like, this is, I, I get why you're not super into this right well you haven't sold them on it so yeah that's really on you and and thoughtbot to to do that but exactly i have full faith that you will get there well thanks so i dropped that plan uh have already seen some signups since then which is great it's like nice to know that all the new signups are on this higher tier oh as part of the preparation for this change i like went back and looked at like the relative churn rates for example of like mm-hmm. the seven dollar versus the higher one uh and people on the cheaper plans uh churn about three to four times as often as the higher value ones which is crazy I mean, if you are segmenting yourself into that top group, you're stating this thing is important to me. Right. So yeah, yeah. that that does make sense to me. That yeah, it's one of those counterintuitive things that seems to keep being true over and over. It's yep. like the, the more you pay, the less you churn. So it's yep. like let's just jack up the prices and <laughs> reduce churn. Yeah. So. I'm interested to see what happens to your conversion rate though for the period that you just have the commercial plan. Totally. Yeah. I'll be I'll be watching that for sure. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm I'm sure it will go down. I suspect it will go down. It will probably go down. Although the conversion rate to that plan will probably increase so like at this point x number of people show up y go to the small plan z go to the big plan yep. z will increase y is dropping off the face of the planet uh, but yeah each of those numbers is going to move in an interesting way and i don't actually know exactly what i expect there but 
interested to hear. The nice thing is that the higher price means we don't have to convert as many people. Yep. And hopefully with the lower churn, we also, right. assuming that affects churn directly, which I'm not sure it does. But uh, so we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Mm. Um, so that was a big change uh, over the last couple of weeks. So my goal is to spend roughly half my time working on customer acquisition or traction, as it is sometimes called, uh, and roughly half the time on product improvements. Okay. Uh, so people are working on product improvements right now. So um, I've been trying to spend most of my time on traction stuff. So I have a couple things going on. Uh, one is I hired a company called Audience Ops. Uh, so Audience Ops provides outsourced uh, blogging, basically, for B2B SaaS businesses, mm-hmm. just like us. Uh, so they are doing working on two things right now. One is this the bootstrapped web. Yes, yeah. Brian okay. Cass- Cassell or Castle and Castle Brian Castle's yep. business. So I had, I've been listening to his podcast for a long time right. and uh, w- did a lot of research on them and was very impressed uh, and was like, let's let's try this. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of a one person team at this point, so like totally think that we need to try content marketing and also email marketing as mm-hmm. a channel for us. Uh, I suspect that will do well for us, right? Especially in our sort of demographic, like like designers and developers. I think like if you want a form backend for a Jekyll site, I have a hunch you Google form backend Jekyll or contact form Jekyll or yep. whatever. So I think we have to have pages and blog posts and things like that that will rank for those terms, right? I think that will be a pretty good acquisition channel for FormKeep. But I also can't crank out a ton of blog posts all the time. It takes a lot of effort to build out uh, non-trivial content, content that you can stand behind and be proud of and, mm-hmm. and have that bring in new users. So Yep. Yeah. So they are working on two things for us right now. One is building an email course, okay, uh, like a five-day crash course on thing. Uh, it looks like the topic for that is probably going to be, um, the proposed topic right now is uh, increasing your uh, contact form conversion rates. Okay. So almost everyone that uses FormKeep right now uses it for some sort of contact us form, um, like a sales mm. form or a contest us to do whatever. Uh, and so this is a sort of proposed topic at this point is like, how do you, if, you're, if you are doing this, how do you make sure that like you get the highest conversion rate on that form? I think it's not, maybe it's not a perfect topic, but I think it's a pretty good first attempt. Mm-hmm. So they're working on that email course and then also um, a, a editorial calendar. Uh, and the, w- the way they work is they give you a calendar of like three months. Like here are the things that we think we're going to write about over the first three months. Uh, they publish weekly uh, and they handle sort of all the like, we're going to put it on, we'll put it on your WordPress blog. We will promote it on Twitter. We'll mm-hmm. put it on Facebook, blah, blah, blah. So this will be blog.formkeep.com or something to that yeah, effect. Yeah, slash blog or something. Right. Um, so we have a, I got I to gotta say WordPress blog because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, so they write blog posts and they also add a content upgrade, they call this for every post. Uh, so it's like, okay, so this post is about, let's say they did a single post about conversion rate on a contact form. They will also build like a secondary asset of something like, uh, also here's our checklist, right? Here's this, this blog post in checklist form mm-hmm. to get something this, to make it extra valuable and actionable and to all get this nice things. Exactly. Yeah. That, that complements the post, like to get this, give us your email address. Right. And then we're like a couple days later, Hey, like, did you want to join the whatever email thing? Uh, so they do that for every post, which mm-hmm. is kind of a, a nice, uh, practice, I think. So that's sort of one of the, the basically, that's actually two traction channels to me, like email marketing course mm-hmm. plus uh, blog post yep. type things. Get that long tail content stuff going on. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the downside of those, the two things I just talked about, one, the rewrite and two, the content stuff is they both are long term. Yeah. Um, I expect like both of those pay off over the long run, like maybe like six or seven months from now. We're both like, mm-hmm. wow, was, I'm sure, sure glad we made those decisions back then. Uh, but are probably not like huge surge of customers right away. Mm-hmm. So I've also been uh, poking around, or not poking around, but tr- working on other things that are hopefully more immediate. 
Uh, we're running an ad in uh, Hacking UI, which is like a designer-focused email list. Mm. I'm going to try that, see what happens there. I have created uh, two uh, guides on the site so far. Uh, one about how to make a contact form in Jekyll, because that's a, form, a term that we rank for and yep. I think our customers might be searching for. Right. Uh, also, when I got that, so I published a guide on like how to like custom how to build a content form in Jekyll and then put a pull request against the Jekyll repo, the Jekyll uh, documentation, mm-hmm. uh, and got a link to that. Oh, nice. So uh, that's coming from JekyllRB.com? Exactly. That's not bad. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, it's nice to be in the, like that list of like here are some resources related to this. And it's like okay, here's right. here's a custom basically landing page for yep. you on this topic. And we have it on uh, Middleman already. So Middleman being the other uh, st- well, one of many static site generators, but I think one of the two standouts in the Ruby world. And mm-hmm. uh, we did some help with their blog redesign back when. So we've been on there for a long time. Yep. So we have basically a sponsored spot on there. Yep. Uh, my but right now that just links to the root. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to continue. So this this channel of these like static site generator things, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to try. I'm going to do five of these. So I want to try to build a custom guide for each of them, and then also do pull requests against their wherever, and try to get a link right. from them to us. Nice. Uh, and then just uh, they all have they have UTM source on all that, so I can sort of watch and see is this yep. working. Yeah. This overall tactic is coming from uh, the Traction book by Gabe Weinberg and somebody else, uh, the guy behind DuckDuckGo. Okay. And some other person. And uh, they recommend, you know, picking three channels to try. And the goal is to do, test three channels for under $1,000 uh, in less than a month uh, simultaneously. Yep. So that's one of them. <laughs> awesome. That's a, that's a bunch of stuff. There's, yeah, there's more. I have a couple of weeks of backlog, I guess, basically. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sort of cheating because I've been working on this a few uh, weeks now. Uh, one other thing, yeah, so actually there's a podcast ad. So we have another channel. Uh, mm-hmm. I did like an ad read basically before this podcast uh-huh. last week. Uh, or what is last week to the people listening to this podcast. Uh, and so we'll see how that turned out if anyone wanted to sign up. Uh, and the last thing that's probably worth talking about is I um, uh, was talking to Brendan from Wistia, as I mentioned, and they have a uh, feature where you can add custom HTML to a video at some point. Mm-hmm. For instance, if you wanted to put some sort of form on your video and ask people questions like, who are you? What kind of cust- company do you work for? What did you think so of this video? So it overlays that into the Wistia iframe it, sort of thing? It does, yeah. Okay. Um, so they have like a th- so they have a feature called Turnstile, which just will at- let you ask for a name and email, but they have apparently enough customers that ask for custom things that like they want to ask other questions, mm-hmm. but they don't support that. And so he's like, you know, could you drop a? Couldn't we drop a form keep form in this thing? And I, I mean, said, it's, it's really just a form, right? And I was like, let's figure it out, right? Exactly. Could we drop a form that points to form keep and have it work? I'm pretty sure we could. <laughs> so, um, the classic advice on partnerships is don't spend a ton of time on them because mm-hmm. it's easy to waste a lot of time and have yep. them not work out. They seem like this holy grail. Like, oh my god, Wistia has like 175,000 customers yeah. or something ridiculous. So all we need is one percent of the Wistia market. <laughs> Um, but so I'm trying to like be smart about it. Right. So I spent about a half day working up and saying, here's an example. I think this could work. I mm-hmm. style it all like, like, and send him like, you know, here's a screenshot. Here's the code. Does this seem like something that might be useful? He said, yes. Uh, put me in touch with their, I believe head of product, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Vincent. And so I, uh, then spent another day basically or half day building a guide on the form keep site of how to embed a form keep form on a Wistia video. Oh, that's nice. Uh, to, so they can link to that from their customer success team. Yep. They can give it to their customers. Uh, whatnot. Uh, and I'm basically now at the point where it's like, okay, I'm going to try to not do any more work on this for mm-hmm. now. Uh, the advice I've heard from this that I really like, uh, that I think was from Steli FD, was uh, if you have someone that's proposing a partnership to you, be like, yes, we're totally interested. Send us 10 customers and then we'll talk. 
Mm. So I'm sort of at that point now with the Wistia thing. Right. It's like, okay, I, I think I've laid enough groundwork that if this is going to work yep. and going to be an interesting channel for us, some people will start coming through it now. Um, so, Presuming it gets enough billing and kind of documentation and things on the Wistia side to actually send people back over. Right, exactly. Yeah. So they've, they've said like, okay, we, we're interested in this. We want to tell our customer success folks about this so we can tell our customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so assuming, I think they now have enough information to, that they can do that. So now I'm kind of in like, all right, that's, that's one channel. We're going to test it. Let's see what happens, but don't put any more work into it. Right. Yeah, I'm definitely a fan of the testing overall and trying to like put some feelers out, get some stuff going, let it run for a bit, but then cycle back and confirm like how did this go how's the cost per acquisition i guess is the metric that you're going for there and you have to i don't know weigh your time in that and all of those fun mathematical adventures but yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah it'll it'll be interesting i'll have i should have some results uh i think the next time we record uh, i'll have results from like the hacking ui ad Mm -hmm. and from the podcast ad and maybe some wistia stuff Hmm. uh so probably the so basically the first three traction and, and then also hopefully i'll have finished so yeah basically goals for the next week uh, include finishing the static form thing, getting mm-hmm. four or more of those done. Uh, so hopefully by the next time we record, I should have some initial data on like, how, are any of these channels looking promising? Because uh, that's, that's, that to me is a big question here. Like the, the results in that, f- that survey basically said, yeah, form keep, good product, need to tweak the pricing. Uh, people are basically mostly happy with the features, a couple things they want here and there, but, mm-hmm. but nothing super, super huge. Uh, so let's fix the pricing and let's find some channels to acquire people. Yeah. Because that's actually the, the hard part. It's right. like, how do you consistently get your product in front of the people that might be your customers? Yep. And I don't, and, and we do not have an answer for that in FormKeep. And that's, that's the, the, the crucial thing I have to figure out basically right. over the next month or so. It's like, how are we going to, what's the thing that we're going to, that's going to work for this? What can we pour more time and effort into where we're going to actually be able to deliver 10, 50, 100 customers per month. Right. Kind of do you have a sense of what your user churn is? Rough yeah, number? I do. Uh, 7.4%. Hey, oh, that's healthy. That's nice. Uh, so I'm comparing that to Upcase has a significantly higher user churn, yep. which I think is inherent to the nature of these things. Like FormKeep is you set it up and it's kind of intended to run for forever. Mm-hmm. So unless something significant happens, there, there kind of needs to be a push away from it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Upcase people need to continually re-engage. And so I think we're closer to 17 and a half or so, which is frankly higher than I want it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so looking at things that I might be doing, there's definitely marketing work and acquisition things, but that churn number hurts us and means that any acquisition efforts, it's, it's leaky at the bottom of the funnel. So it's, it complicates things. It does. Yeah. Although you and I have talked about this. I think for membership sites like Upcase, Mm -hmm. that might actually be a pretty reasonable churn. I think it, it's it's definitely a little higher than I want, and I say that m- not so much based on the the absolute value of the number, but on the specific reasons that people are leaving and mm. the the spikes that we see in early months. So basically, if people make it past a certain timeline, then they stay on for a while. Mm-hmm. But we see a lot of churning out in the first and second month, and that tells me that we're not we're not getting these people engaged with the content. We're not giving them structure to work through. We basically give them a bunch of content, and frankly, I'm very happy with the majority of the content. But a lot of people are just like, I'm not even really sure where to start. I don't know what to do. I don't yeah. know which trail to take. I don't know which videos to watch. I don't know how to use this big, massive content. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while I agree that the that particular number of 17 and a half ish, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I think it's around there. Uh, membership sites are inherently going to be higher. Uh, just the nature of it is going to do that compared to something like FormKeep. But I think we can do better. And I, again, basing that on what I hear from customers and that they're just like, you know what, I, I just wasn't using it as much as I expected. 
I don't hear that as a failure on their part. I hear that as a failure on my part to get totally. people into the content and really continually getting value out of the weekly iteration and all the different things that are going on there. Yeah. Rob yeah. Walling talks about the minimum path to awesome a lot. Yep. Like when someone, the first time someone signs up, do they have that experience that like kind of blows, blows their socks off? Yeah. A bit? Yeah. That would be, it's interesting to get to because kind of the, the nature, the selling promise of Upcase is this is the deeper, more kind of, this isn't your bootcamp code school. This is, you know, the real deal. Um, but I think there's still a way that we can get there and a continuing, like we have a few emails that we send out early on, but there definitely could be a lot more in the way of, Hey, have you checked out this feature? I saw that you watch these videos, but have you thought about checking out this or this as a nice follow on after that? Mm-hmm. Or I saw that you watched two videos from this particular course, but you stopped there. Really suggest watching video three because it's got some great content in it and that we'd hate for you to miss. Um, things like that, just trying to re-engage people as they're going through, particularly their first month, but first and second and kind of onward from there mm-hmm. uh, and just help people find the content that will be useful to them within the everything that we have on Upcase. Yeah, so totally. Yeah. So do you want to go into your last week? Yeah, we can talk about that. Um, so two main things, uh, well, a couple of things. So first is we uh, we have an apprentice on Upcase now. This is the first time we've done this. So Ragu Bettina has just joined us starting... Uh, at this point, last Monday. So he's been with us for about seven days now. Uh, two of those were our holiday hackathon. So he got a great introduction to the company. Three days of let me figure out what I'm doing and then let's try the holiday hackathon. Mm-hmm. Um, but already uh, that's been spectacular. Having him on the project has been spectacular. Yeah. Um, in particular, I think Ragu is particularly well positioned to work on Upcase. Uh, he's pretty advanced in his knowledge of rails and things like that but he's kind of a he is an upcase subscriber has been now he gets it for free but uh he has been historically and he's in a pretty typical place of i understand this stuff pretty well but testing and clean code and git and advanced workflow things and all that kind of stuff that we teach on upcase is just at the edge of what he he's got uh under his belt right now so the really interesting thing for me has been he and I have paired a few times and I'll I'll make a comment say like, oh, do you know you can use control R for reverse history search in the shell? And he's like, no, that's amazing. Is that on upcase? Mm-hmm. And he basically is is a sanity check for me on everything that I tell him. His response is, that's interesting. Is that on upcase? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have a list running of things that Excellent. I am teaching him and like the mentoring that I'm giving. Let's make sure that is represented in Upcase. Totally. Uh, and a significant amount of the time, I feel really good that I can actually point him to a nice deep content link within Upcase and say, start watching this video at exactly this timestamp. And I made fancy buttons so you can do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, just as a source of additional content um, and understanding what should be on the site and what the kind of pain points for someone at that point in their development is, uh, he's he's been amazing for that. So Awesome. Yeah. It feels like a thing that should happen all the time. Like I feel like Upcase should always have an apprentice, given how useful it is to be to get you into yeah. that like beginner slash intermediate mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, he is, um, I'd say, in kind of the advanced end of the spectrum of users that we might have on the site. Uh, so he's also able to kind of dive in and make pull requests and comment on uh, and help structure curriculum and courses and things. And he actually has a, a background in education himself. He teaches intro to Rails courses at two different colleges. So. Uh, he knows a thing or two about teaching and instructional design mm-hmm. um, and has some excellent thoughts about how we can try and restructure and kind of build a linear flow through the content that we have rather than right now it's, I'd say, a bunch of scattered pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of a lot of great stuff there, and I'm, I'm really excited to continue working with him and see where we get to. But uh, yeah, that's been great so far. Mm. So 
Cool. So hired yeah. an apprentice. That's hired one. an apprentice. That's good, uh, good checkbox. Yeah. Uh, so another. This is one of those that falls into the category of to a user, very little visible work was done, but it was meaningful on our side. Uh, so we've been running a test on the landing page for a number of weeks now, and it was basically uh, we're using Visual Website Optimizer. So we're swapping out headlines and changing colors of things and emphasizing buttons. And actually, it was a pretty uh, aggressive change of uh, the homepage, but it went through a number of iterations. We're working with an outside marketing firm, and uh, they managed basically that whole process, redesigned things, restructured things, emphasized content. Uh, and at the end, we basically got to a place where we had tested it. So this was a A-B test that was running, or a number of sequential A-B tests as we got different variants that kind of dialed in. Uh, and eventually, we got to a place where the fifth version that we'd gone to, we were confident in that. It had seen a pretty significant uptick uh, I think it was like 87% increase in uh, engagement. And engagement was defined by someone clicking the start leveling up or join button down at the bottom of the page. Mm -hmm. That's that's the goal of that page. So that's the best uh, metric we have there. So we then took that and rolled all of those changes back into the application. So in the sense of like moving the needle, it was uh, basically we were just keeping the needle where it was and changing how the needle was getting there. because. Mm. Uh, Previously, Visual Website Optimizer, it's a bit of JavaScript, runs in the page, and goes through and dynamically updates all of the elements that we're testing. Yep. Uh, so with this, I turned off Visual Website Optimizer and rolled those changes back into the actual HTML of the page. Uh, so it didn't improve the site kind of performance. You didn't see a flash anymore as content's getting switched out on first load. Uh, but what it really gave us was the ability to now start a new test. So we had, we had gotten to this place where we had created a better variant of the home page of the landing page but we couldn't go any further we wanted we needed to lock that in so that now we can start tweaking headlines and continuing to iterate within that um, but happy to have that in i think that's that's a good move uh, i think we'll probably leave the landing page roughly as it is for now and start to work on other downstream pages particularly the checkout page that's mm -hmm. our that's our next target mm -hmm. uh, but yeah so that, that was good um, and the last thing today, actually, just before coming down here, finally launched the Mastering Git course, which has been in works for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, super excited to actually get that out into the world. But uh, now it's live. Very now there's cool. 11 videos of me rambling about Git. So this is uh, like intermediate Git and beyond, basically? Yes. Yeah. So I basically, uh, I assume, and this is kind of a, a general truism about Upcase, we assume that you have an introduction to a given topic. And Upcase is the place that you come to finish that out. So with Git, you've been using it for a little while. You know how to stage files and commit and branch. But you don't feel terribly comfortable with any of that. You don't feel uh, confident in what you're doing. You worry that you're going to break production by force pushing something at the wrong time. Uh, so the course is about going a little bit deeper. And particularly, there are two videos in the middle where I cover the actual base object model of Git. So what's really happening under the hood and how does it all work? Mm -hmm. uh, and that, for me, when I originally learned all of that, that was the thing that made Git click. Before that, I had to memorize a sequence of commands, and I would hope that I did them in the right order and not break anything, but I would never really understand what was happening. Mm -hmm. uh, and after learning that, it kind of transitioned and became a whole different thing. Yeah, so. like once, once you understand what's in the .git directory, yep. life gets a lot more sensical. Yeah. So we launched that, yeah. and launching in, in upcase terms is basically there's been a trail that's been hidden for a while, and now I push the magic publish button or set the flag in the, in the Rails model, and now that's visible to all users. And historically, that had been what a launch meant on upcase, mm. um, but recently we've been 
kind of rethinking and restructuring how we do that. Uh, so there are a couple of layers to it. One, there was a blog post that went out on giant robots. So that's hopefully going to direct some traffic across. Uh, but the bigger thing is we've now made three of the videos free. Uh, but the way that you get access to them is by authenticating with GitHub. And as part of that, we'll sign you up for a short mailing sequence about the course. Mm -hmm. So you get access to the video and we'll send you kind of follow-ups that say like, hey, have you checked out the videos? Here's why learning Git is worthwhile. Uh, and then eventually transition to talking about Upcase in general. And hopefully from that, we convince a few people that both the Git course is worth their time and uh, Upcase in general is worth it. Um, but that was driven largely by uh, some of the analytics that we had seen. Uh, very few users come to Upcase and sign up. Mm -hmm. So in the sense of if someone sees that blog post and sees, oh, you have a new Git course, that's cool. And they go over to Upcase, the chance of them buying, of actually subscribing at that point is extremely low. Mm. Uh, the vast majority of users were signing up in something like their fifth to eighth visit to Upcase. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think this is also uh, in the sense of like a subscription-based learning platform. That's probably a pretty common pattern. This happens on FormQ2, by the way. No, it's interesting. It's probably true of people buying things on the internet overall, which yep. is why you get those magical pixels that track you around the internet and all that fun stuff. Yep. But so we're we're trying to lean into that and say, uh, you know what, come here. We'll give you a sample. We want you to see uh, the quality, hopefully the quality of the content and kind of the depth of the material. Mm -hmm. uh, get you some value, certainly. And then try and get you to come back, try and convince you that there's more here, that it's worth it. And so try and encourage those future visits. Mm. So, so the the is the drip course live now? The drip course is live. Cool. So, do you have a sense of like what what's a successful launch to you? Yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? Um, an incremental twenty five signups to put an arbitrary number to it. Okay. Um, so we're seeing about uh, two hundred signups a month, and or somewhere between one fifty and two hundred. So if I could see an incremental twenty five bump, mm -hmm. that would be great. Frankly, I'm trying to not get myself too excited about the specific launch. And instead, think about this as enhancing all of Upcase. So anytime someone lands on Upcase, right now on-ramp to Vim, which is our uh, intro Vim course, has the same sort of uh, drip email sequence, free mm -hmm. sample structure. Mm -hmm. uh, Git now has it. Pretty soon I plan to do the same thing for the Tmux course and basically spread this out so that people can get a, a much better sense of what's on Upcase uh, and get them to come back and still get value. But rather than seeing this as a one-time, this is my mechanism to convert someone, this is my mechanism to get people to come back. And I, I get them to come back by giving them something, by giving them sample videos. Uh, similarly, the weekly iteration right now is all, you can see little samples, but the samples are, they don't really give you a sense of exactly what we're doing on these. Mm -hmm. um, so I get a few weekly iterations free and kind of give people a good overview of what's on Upcase and hopefully get them to be subscribers. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be interesting to to set goals and look at them in particular because I think mm. so these content launches don't happen very often on Upcase because like right. that Git course took a ton of work. I mean it's huge, right? Mm -hmm. And so given that there aren't that many, trying to make a big splat like marketing splash from them, I think is probably worth the time. Yeah, because it's an easy thing to talk about. Like other like otherwise, how do you what do you announce on a blog post if not for new courses on right. Upcase really or like you know substantial feature changes? Yep. Um, so I, I think maybe the uh, the drip thing sounds really good, but I, th I think also maybe asking like, what can we try some ads? Can we right. do some other things? Like, are there a couple different channels we can push this out through? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I have some thoughts about like right now, this is on the robots blog, which gets pretty significant traffic. So that's a plus. Mm -hmm. uh, that will automatically send out a tweet. Cool. That's another sequence coming through here. 
Uh, and then I have the ability to email our subscribers, so that can re-engage that group. I can email former subscribers, yep. and that possibly re-engage that group. So there are different ways that I can keep doing that. Mm-hmm. But I can kind of keep doing that and spreading that. And so like I could redo that with OnRamp to Vim at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. So that's not a, a dead endpoint. I can, I can continue to try and send traffic there in the future. And we're actually starting to look at doing targeted ads. So if you go to the OnRamp to Vim page, then we might be able to show you an ad specific to Vim as you're elsewhere on the internet, right. um, presuming you don't have content blockers on, which I think like half of our audience does. But uh, if you do, cool, no ads. Otherwise, maybe some ads. Cool. Uh, but similar with Git, we could, if you go to the Git page, we can show you that. Uh, but longer term, there's an aspect of it that we we are a content site, and the fact that the Git course took as long as it did is not really okay. Totally, yeah. So while I'm definitely putting a lot of focus into the marketing, and there's a lot of I want to call them shorter-term marketing efforts that I have in mind. Uh, figuring out how to move through the content schedule a little quicker is definitely high on my list of things to do. And so one particular thing that we have in mind for that uh, is the idea of actually bringing in people from other offices. Mm-hmm. So I've talked to Chad, and this is particular to the weekly iteration so far, but in the same way that you're using the bench here at ThoughtBot, I yep. want to try and do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so work with people on Fridays to kind of draft an outline uh, of a course that we might do, and then when they get a week in between projects, pull them on, let's record something, and let's get that out into the world. Um, so try and move through that a little bit quicker. Similarly, all of the marketing aspects related to this launch, it's a newer system that we're building, but assuming it works reasonably well, we can kind of redo that across all of the launches. So I fundamentally agree with what you're saying, and I'm trying to figure, I guess assigning particular goal numbers is hard. I have no idea what the number is going to be. This one might inform it, and then I can look at that in the future Mm -hmm. and kind of port that forward. But otherwise, I'm just going to say the arbitrary number 25, I guess. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It's like upcase is at 160 for the trailing 30 days. Yep. So it'll be cool. It'll be interesting to see what happens to that number. Absolutely. Especially if you if there's some tracking related to you signed up after you got this email in the Git sequence or something like that. Right. That, that would all be interesting to know. Which all of that should work via the many analytics systems we have. There's yeah. a whole bunch of them. They're kind of a big messy soup of analytics, but I think it kind of works. Yeah. You you, you would think that this kind of thing would be should be a good source of new signups. Yep. You know. So like so hopefully that's hopefully that's true. Yeah. Uh. Cool. Uh, congrats on getting that out the door. That was, Thank you. That did some. That took some work. Took some work, but again, you know, I got, next one hopefully will take less work. Yeah, I mean, it might be good to to sit down right now and while it's fresh in your mind, jot down like what steps took the longest, where did it get yeah. held up, and like and think about it for the next time. How do we make this go faster? Yeah, I think the other thing is I did a lot of the work serially, and so it was well. I've got to I got to finish recording, then I can do the notes, then I can do the email sequence, then I can do the blog post. But in reality, a lot of those. The majority of them could have been a, uh, been done in parallel. Mm. Uh, so that's a thing that I want to think about as well, is, is another way to speed up the whole content pipeline yeah. is to do some of it in parallel. So, When people cancel, do, they, do, you get, do people say that there's not the content they want there or there's not enough content or not enough updates or things like that? Um, not a ton. The one that we hear more is I would, I would love X. Um, a lot of JavaScripty stuff, React and Ember and things like that. Additionally, the Rails content is currently on Rails 3. So we do hear that uh, non-trivial number of times is, oh, this is old. How do I even know to trust this? Um, so revamping that and getting that onto Rails 5 is the target at this point mm-hmm. seems important. And it's not. It's rarely people saying there isn't enough here. Some people say, like, I've gone through what I wanted. So I do hear that. But hmm. yeah. So what are your uh, thoughts and goals for just like the next couple of weeks? Um, 
what's, yeah, what's what, most important if i if you only could do like one or two things i only could do one or two things um so similar to the work that we did on the landing page we want to get to an iteration on the checkout page mm -hmm. um, right now the checkout page basically just says the word professional mm -hmm. and then terms and services on the side mm -hmm. uh so we want to revise that, put a little more of a kind of value-based, what are you getting when you subscribe? Um, yep. So fix up the checkout. Uh, we actually do have another course in the works, so I'd like to push that along, and I'd like to think about the longer-term content schedule and see what else I can get kind of moving in the content machine. Interesting. So yeah, how about you? Yeah, let's, let's commit to some stuff. Yeah, so my goal is to keep pushing on these traction channels, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm moving forward with audience ops. Uh, that stuff is probably not going to happen till go live until like next year, unfortunately, due to holidays and all that. So um, basically, make sure they have what they need to go forward. Right. Uh, but so I'm sort of basically making sure the Ember thing keeps going and is progressing well. I think we're actually getting pretty close. Mm -hmm. um, hoping that we'll get done this week, maybe next week, and more likely. Pricing as soon as possible, basically. Ember then pricing is those like the first two like development tasks. Right. Um, but to mostly, I'm mostly putting my focus on this traction stuff because to me, this is the biggest unknown right now. It's like, where are the customers going to come from? Mm -hmm. Where are they and how do we talk to them? Uh, and I think if we don't answer those questions, we're not going to grow at the rate we want to grow. That makes sense. So yeah, I'd like to have answers to those. Yeah. That I think is more important than anything else. Um, Upcase or FormKeep has over the last three months before I started the project, the average net MRR addition to it was $230, $233. So we're basically adding 200 something dollars per month to MRR, which right. is pretty slow. Like that's yeah. not enough to get excited about. Right. Um, so my goal is to immediately start improving that. Mm -hmm. um, my In my head goal for December is at least $300. Um, so it, a little it, bit, uh, improve the MRR net addition number. Yep, and my yep. goal is to improve, so my rough goal is, is to improve that every month. Yep. Um, so December I'm expecting to be a little slow due to holidays and all that. And also a lot of the fact, a lot of the things that I'm doing are going to hopefully build on yeah. themselves later. So basically somewhere around $300 in net new MRR for December, maybe 350 to 400 for January and continue to kind of like ratchet that up each month as right. we figure out how do we get how do we get these people? Mm -hmm. How do we achieve traction? So that's what I'm thinking mostly. So you'll you'll know if I'm succeeding if we if we can cross those numbers basically. Absolutely. I do like this uh, accountability podcast scenario i think mm -hmm. it's good coming into it i was like what do i have to talk about and earlier this week i was like i should i should finish some things so that i have stuff to talk about <laughs> definitely and now i've said some words and they're on a podcast and people will hear them and hold me accountable yes yeah, so. So, so just to just to dou double down next week goals what do you hope to have oh, you, okay. you can make me say them again uh let's see I'd like to have a checkout test, checkout variant live. Okay. Um, I think we might be doing that just not as an A-B test, but just going live due to complexities of our checkout and times that we've broken it in the past. That's a little scary. I know, right? Well, it's, to me, it's a little scary to not test it. To not test it. I mean, we can do time series, although December is a terrible time. I totally hear you. I'm weighing it against the, the weight of trying to do a simultaneous, it's going to have to be different URL, which means it's on the Rails side, and checkout's already a hairy thing. Okay. Uh, but I hear you. I do. I don't know. Maybe you'll convince me, and maybe next week I'll come back and say I'm doing it as an A/B test. I'd urge um, you to do it as an A/B test, personally, but noted. Yeah. Uh, so checkout variant, another course in production. I think is the way I describe that, and that will start to start working a new start course. start working. So pick a course, find who I'm going to work on it with, and have an outline in work. I think that's that's particular there, and. I don't know how to specify it, but some work on the next course that we do already have. We have the recordings and we have some exercises prepared. So starting to sequence that and move towards a launch of that. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Don't have more specifics on that, but those three would make me feel great. I yeah. Think. 
Yep. Okay. So for me, it's uh, finishing these static site generator mm. guides. I want to get to five. Um, I want to make sure this Wistia thing is like at least off my plate, which mm-hmm. I don't think should take much more work. Uh, hopefully, Ember will be, Ember will be gone uh, next week. So no more Ember. Uh, static site generators. Wistia thing done. And also probably um, we're not sending any emails. Uh, very many emails about activation. So uh, there is like a fall off, a pretty substantial fall off at every step of our activation funnel. Mm-hmm. Like you give us your email password and then you make a form or maybe you don't. And then you like, you make a form and do you submit to it? Maybe not. And then do you pay for it? Probably not. Right. Uh, so each, each of those steps, I want to make sure basically we have an email that's targeted for you and we send a handful of them as opposed to like one time, like, hey, you didn't sign up. Right. Can you tell us why? Like <laughs> Rob, like Rob Wallen, when you sign up for Drip, he emails you every day. Yep. Uh, and granted, that's like a credit card upfront trial. Where like right now, Formkeep is not a credit card right. upfront trial. So like, uh, I think we have a higher possibility of annoying people. But I want to, I'm going to try it as an A/B test to actually see. Yeah. Like I will happily annoy people if it means a 20% lift in activation or something. Well, I think like the that. other the other thing to keep in mind, and I I often have to talk myself into marketing efforts because I don't think I'm a, a born marketer, business salesman type. Uh, but as long as there's clear unsubscribe links and things like that, clear ways for people to be like, you know what, I'm I'm not into this anymore. Yep. I'm fine with the regular re-engagement, the reaching out, because this person has identified this need in their world. Yep. And if you can help them use the tool that you've built that you believe in, then I'm fine with kind of pushing that and helping them get to the place where they are using it mm-hmm. or opting out. Either right. of those is a valuable life like point for them to get to. Yep. The middle is just kind of that murky place that unfortunately all of us spend too much time in our in our lives. Yep. I got deep. I don't know where how I got there. But. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like yeah. yeah, it's kind of like sales where like you, a yes is great, a mm-hmm. no is also great. Yeah, it's that middle ground where you're like, I yep. don't, like if there's exactly. no next step. It, we're in like I don't know if to spend more time on this. I don't know if what's going on there. Right. So yeah, like I'd rather get like not interested, unsubscribe or whatever. Like fine, mm-hmm. nope, whatever, totally cool. Yep. Uh, or like you know, just maybe just people get busy. You know, they sign up for a thing, they forget about it, or they like I should check this out or whatever. Like right. let's let's reengage them and see if we can get them. Yeah. To get that value because it's a valuable product it's good once you actually do it it's it's great does, yeah does what it says on the tin does what it says on the tin awesome well this has been good there's yeah. a lot of uh background info in this one i yeah. imagine that future ones will be shorter i expect as much uh i think this was probably a lot of inside baseball up front um <laughs> but so i think uh going forward we'll, we'll, try, we'll try to stick a little bit more towards like last week happened was this yep next week's goal are goals are these uh, and not too much bloviating. Sounds good. And for people in the world, if you like this, please do let us know. If you yeah. hate it, uh, probably let us know that too. Uh, <laughs> but we'd love to hear feedback. And uh, I would, yeah. Tweet know. at us. Yeah. Uh, I'm R00K. You are Chris Toomey? Yeah. T-O-O-M-E-Y. Cool. Yeah, so feel free to uh, tweet at us and tell us what you thought, if you're super stoked on this new thing, or if you hate it, or if you're totally neutral. If you have a heart full of neutrality. No, we, sh- we should get them to one side or the other. That's our job. Exactly. Well, we're going to very quickly piss people off. So let's wrap up. All right. Today's show is produced and edited by Tom Obarski. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm. Thanks for listening.